Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a special treat, an interview with New York Times bestselling author Courtney Summers, author of the new book, Sadie. If you're a new listener, this probably isn't the best week to get a sense of what the show is about, because I almost never do interviews. You should probably listen to last week's show about the word myself and why we say we get the skinny on something to see what the show is normally like. And longtime listeners, you may remember the one episode where I made up a robot co-host so I'd have somebody to talk to. Well, now you get to hear me talk to a real person. Also, congratulations this week to my fellow Quick and Dirty Tips podcaster, Monica Reinigal, the nutrition diva. This week is her 500th episode. If you're a fan of nutrition or simply mindful about what you put in your body, make sure you listen to the Nutrition Diva podcast every Wednesday, and maybe send her a congratulatory message on Twitter, at Nutrition Diva. Courtney, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I'm so glad we could finally connect. I read your book, Sadie, and loved it. And, um, thank you. Yeah, so why don't you uh, tell the listeners what it's about? Sadie is about a girl who goes missing on the hunt for her sister's killer and about the popular radio personality who starts a podcast dedicated to finding out what happened to her. Right, and it was such a neat idea to incorporate a podcast into the book. I know that's one of the reasons I heard about it. And I I, I get the sense that it was based on the podcast Serial. Is is that true? Did Did you listen to Serial? Kind of. It was, um, I got the idea toward the end of Serial's run because I was completely fascinated by the response that it was generating. That, like, everyone, like, flipped for it. They were just tuning in and binging this content. And I remember reading something about Hyman Lee's parents. They were upset by the whole show. And I thought, you know, what is the potential consequences of telling stories like these in this kind of bingeable format? And I really wanted to explore that. So it was kind of inspired by Serial, but the details weren't or anything like that. Right. Were you, how involved were you in the, in the making the podcast part? Because the book has a podcast element in it, in the writing, but then also there was a real like fake true crime podcast that uh, Macmillan put out. So were you involved in that part of it? I I wasn't. I think that's probably for the best. I mean, (laughs) um, Maddie, (laughs) produced it she sent me the voices that would be doing the audiobook and I didn't have any objections I thought they sounded great and then they just took the audio or the podcast portions from the audiobook performance or production and turned it into a podcast and I was like wow that's amazing it was like the coolest thing I think that's happened in my career so far it was I was blown away by it I was just like really that's my book (laughs) That's pretty neat. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's the coolest because we scheduled this interview a while ago. And then I just saw that you are that Sadie made the New York Times bestseller list. So uh, that was also. Yes. okay, maybe that was the coolest. (laughs) Maybe it's like a confluent of like cool things happening. I can't pick this one. But yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah. So I was very excited about that. So you've written many novels before, Sadie, and I saw that they all had won a lot of awards, meant like lots of awards. And, but is this your first New York Times bestseller? Yeah, it is. I was like, it, it, it's just when um, my editor and the team called, I was like shaking so hard. It was a very brief call, and um, 
because they were like, but tell people, go celebrate. And after I got off the phone, like my hands hurt because I was holding it so tightly. <laughs> I just could not believe it. I was just like in this clenched position going, what? <laughs> I was shaking so That's bad. So cool. And what did you, what did, what did you do to celebrate? I have to know. <laughs> well, this is, the, I was like, like it was, the list comes out at five and I don't know if I should admit this, but like at 4 p.m. I was in my pajamas. So I was like, I guess I'll just stand inside and be really happy about it tonight. But the next night um, I went out for dinner with my family and it was very nice. Cool. Yeah, that's the writer's life, right? In your pajamas till four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's my uniform. I feel very accomplished when I get dressed <laughs> in a day. Same. I do too. It's like, wow, this super productive day. Even <laughs> if I haven't written that day, you know, you put on the pants and the shirt, it's like, okay, I'm moving. <laughs> right. So, um, so moving on to the language. So one of the things I noticed, this is one of the, I think it's the only book I've ever read where one of the characters stutters. And I was hoping you could talk to me about the decision to make the character stutter and also maybe other ways that you've used language to define your characters. I think that with Sadie stutter, I, it's just the question was, why can't a main character have a stutter? There's no reason they can't, like someone who has a stutter can't star in a story and be the hero of that story. Um, I think there's a relative dearth of stories with characters with speech impediments. Yeah. And so that was the decision behind that. And as, as far as language, like with the podcast portion, you know, it's very much about trying to um, call to mind shows like This uh, this American Life. And they have a very clear sound in your head, you know, like when you're thinking about NPR, you you can hear Ira Glass, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like mimicking that sort of flow on the page with the words that was always at the forefront of my mind with uh, that. So, and they're very, and Sadie has a very stream of consciousness sort of narrative happening and it's very stark contrast to West, very formal, very um, tightly wound, I think, kind of delivery to his um, narrative, you know, like the podcast transcript. So it was just that juxtaposition was always at the center of my thoughts as well. Yeah, he does and have just, a very NPR kind of feel. Yeah, he's kind of kind of pretentious. <laughs> I mean, I like him, but he's pretentious. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed that as I was flipping through the book um, again, preparing for the interview, I noticed there's a lot of italics. Sadie, you know, you do you depict her thoughts to herself, and there there are italics scattered throughout to show that. Love this. I don't even think about these things. I see it like just happen and then I'm like, oh, I, I guess I did do that. You know, it's almost like, oh, now I've got an answer for it. Why did I do that? It just came out that way. That's fine. <laughs> I feel like there's, yeah, I feel like I'm just going to reveal there's less intent behind my novels than I, I think there is or something. You're going to say I did this, this, and this, and I'm going to go, what? I did? <laughs> well, maybe it's and then sub- I'm feel- it could be subconscious, but that, I mean, it's funny because I was an English major and I often felt like that's what we were doing in class. You know, we're finding these deeper meanings and symbolism in novels. And I'm like, I always wonder if the author even meant that. <laughs> <laughs> A friend told me about like conscious, wait, unconscious competence or something like that. There's some, there's this whole thing where you just are, you're unconsciously competent something after a certain point so you don't even you get to a point where you don't know what you're doing but you know how to do it I'm like let me know when I get there (laughs) one day I think you're there I think maybe you're there (laughs) (laughs) until I write my next book I'm never there for only it only lasts a book I think and then I have to relearn it 
Right. It's always the next one, the next challenge. Those writers are always moving on. But I'm sure whatever it will be next will be like sad and devastating for a reader. Hopefully. <laughs> That's what I like to <laughs> Yeah. No, Sadie was really dark. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like to bring down the mood when people pick up my books. Like, if they want something warm and cuddly, they're not going to find it in a Courtney Summers novel. I don't know why I'm like that. I don't want to think too hard about it. <laughs> I was just going to ask you why, but that's okay. You don't have to have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before this interview, we exchanged some emails or some writing, and you mentioned semicolons. So, as as um, that you kind of like them. So, I wanted wondered if you wanted to talk about. Um, semicolons as your anti-pet peeve. I just, I, I don't know. I just like the way they can extend and continue a thought on a page. I was just like, wow, that's, it like keeps the fluidity of the, of the prose without the firm pause of a period. Like, does that sound at all sensical? I just really like them. And I know some people really don't like them and I don't understand those people. I know. I don't either. <laughs> I guess maybe for, for you, I guess the way you describe it, maybe it plays into that stream of consciousness that you're trying to go for with your, I think you're right. Yeah, like a period is yeah. so, so final and stopping. Yeah, definitive. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, just so, it's a little too firm sometimes. I'm, you know, I'm not ready to end yet, but I just need a, a break. Time for a break. Yeah, I like that. So the other yeah. the other thing I loved is that um, when we asked you for your favorite quotation, you picked something from the um, Paul Auster New York trilogy, and yeah, I, I read that in college and I loved it too. So I, I, you probably oh, makes me happy. I know. So you probably read it more recently than I did. So I was wondering if no. What is oh my it? god! Don't quiz me. No, no just, <laughs> I want to know what you like about it. What What do you like about it? Honestly, it's the language, like it, the paragraph that I sent you about wasn't it being nowhere and he was nowhere and that's where he wanted to be or something like that something like that it just felt like every 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 time I was struck it's just something that felt so honest and and true that I almost think I like it in pieces you know because I just reach a certain point in it every time and I'd be like oh my god yeah it was was almost yeah zero in on just these parts that felt right and and like they were getting you to the bone or something yeah. I've always loved that paragraph that I sent you. Why is it escaping me now? But every time when someone asks me, what's your favorite quote? It's like this big chunk of a book from Paul. It's sad. It's cool. It's nice. It's lonely. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's just beautifully constructed. Yeah. yeah. And, and if people are interested, they can look it up on the on the website on quickanddirtytips.com. There's an article with Courtney Summers in the title and you'll find the the quotation there. I guess I, I guess in, in a way it doesn't surprise me that that you like the book because my very distant memory of it is that it's also pretty dark. Like I remember him hiding behind <laughs> a dumpster and and like feeling really isolated and almost disconnected from the world and it was almost like he was having right, all that grim Yeah deliciousness. <laughs> yeah, the grim, gritty, you know, having a breakdown kind of moment. So Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely like at home with that. I don't know why. I just, I mean, I think it's because, I mean, not that you can't elicit a strong response with happy stories, but I think I always remember like being a kid and being profoundly struck by, by stories that I thought were unfair. You know, like, do you, do you remember the first story you might've read or watched that you were like, that's not the ending I wanted, but I can't think of how else it could have been. And you're just struck by how unfair but appropriate it is. It's just where the rules seem to break or something. Because there's a point where it's all Disney movies and then you're like, 
oh, but it doesn't always have to end happily ever after. And then it's like, what? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, yeah. I do remember that it's feeling so cool. of outrage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love making people mad. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I, as I was scrolling through your website, didn't uh, one of your books won something like Worst Child Character Award? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was, um, I forget what place uh, gave it the nod. It was like maybe something to Abe Books. Eight, yeah. They got the Worst Children Award or something. They were on a <laughs> list of Worst Children. I'm like, I'll take it. It's like, uh, every best thing. I'm like, this was this was the best. This was, the best. but that was cool too. To just be, yeah. It was. Cool. I couldn't believe such an award existed. I I was I was delighted to see there was such an award. I, it was so cool. I think it was less an award and more like just like their little thing that they did to recognize terrible children in literature. And I'm like, oh, that's that's going in my. Obituary eventually, <laughs> right? And, uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, but but now, I mean, you you say you like it that way, but then I'm gonna um, turn the tables on you because when we asked you what word you'd like to add on the dictionary, you cho- chose oh, right. like a warm, happy word. You chose loveology. Love can be heartbreaking, no, <laughs> and terrible. No, wait, maybe not terrible, but it can be hard. Um, have you ever heard that song by Regina Spector? It's mm. a very she turns every word, in, like every word, into an ology. So it was like, "I'm sorry, ology, forgive me, ology, and love ology" is the title of the song, and I just loved that. Just the idea of, I don't know, this is very evocative to me. Oh. And it is a, it is kind of cozy comparatively to the things that I'm interested in. But I've got to, I've got to surprise people too, I guess. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to me about your book, Sadie, which I loved, um, and a lot of other thank people so also did too, because apparently, because it was a New York Times bestseller. So uh, why <laughs> when did- I saw that you were reading it on your Twitter, I like had a little freak out. I was like, oh my god, grandma <laughs> girl, read my book. <laughs> so um, tell people like what's the best way for people to find you online. Um, anyone can find me on Twitter at Courtney underscore S or Instagram, which is Summers Courtney, or they can look me up on my website at CourtneySummers.ca. Excellent. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for being with me and have a great night. Before we go, I have one more announcement. I'll be in Cambridge, Massachusetts this weekend, November 2nd and 3rd at the Sound Education Podcasting Conference. If you'd like to see me, I'm on a panel with other language podcasters on Friday at 2.30, and I'm giving a live show presentation on Saturday at 2. And they have separate tickets for people who don't want to attend the whole conference and just want to see all the live shows. You can find out more at soundeducation.fm. That's all. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 